Your style is unorthodox. But effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Black 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 Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Regine Al Sawyer, owner, writer, creator of Lock It Down Productions, and the coordinator and founder of the Women in Comics Collective International. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Uh, and I guess we should tweet that we are live, right? All right I'm tweeting. I'm You're tweeting. tweeting. Right now. Thank I'm you. Morning. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, yeah, uh, this is Black Comics Chat. I'm Leo. Uh, we are tonight here uh, to talk about the life and death of Toy Harada for our inaugural uh, graphic novel book club. First of many, I hope, uh, we have a, a almost full house here uh, with four of the Black Comics Chat collective. Um, Marcus, uh, yeah, what's up, man? What's going on? Chilling, man. Uh, th- yeah, this is this is this di- a different introduction. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah, y'all. I mean, I would definitely say we are all collectively holding it down like gravity. Uh, <laughs> I guess you know we'll we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go with a familiar introduction. Uh, so first up, uh, we've got the the undercover Sith Lord, uh, the, the Red Lion of the crew. Uh-oh. The uh, I, you know, let the, oh, and also the uh-huh. prime minister of the Blue Czech Republic. <laughs> <laughs> we got Tony in the house. What's going on, Tony? What's up, fam? How's it going? I got used to doing this on camera thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I got the old man beard going. Um, <laughs> it's nice. It's I'm very like Logan esque. Yo, me. I yeah. just yo it, like this. Like not to not to co-opt your introduction time, Tony. But you said something that deeply relates to me. And so in the past four months, I've begun a serious gray facial hair situation that has like. <laughs> Like I'm saying, it's when it starts. Yeah, when it starts, it starts. Yo, it's yeah. it is like it's a it, like it's an infestation. Like it, it's not like you get a couple. It's like boom. Like you can't. I'm shaved yeah. right now, so you can't really see it. But like all this business, there's a bunch going on here. There's a few here. There's one in the unibrow that gets plucked. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. So I'm there. I'm like literally right around the corner. I'm right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, when the when the uh, the outbreak started, I cut my I cut my entire beard, yeah. and so it was completely like the the mustache and then the, and, the, and all the chin was bare, so I look very weird. So I'm glad that it's back in some way. But anyway, I'm 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 excited. I'm happy. Yeah, let's go. I just want to say, I feel like our parents' generation really did not prepare us for that. No, because there was a lot of no. just for men and other hair dyes going on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like. So you see, like, like sixty-year-old people with their 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 jet black beard. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a little bit of a. You know, it, it's funny you say that because I used to laugh at Walt Frazier during the Knicks uh, commercials about you know the just yeah. for men. The commercials. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm just like. 
Maybe that's not a bad idea. Would you tell you? I'm so sorry. I can't relate to all this. <laughs> I know, bro. I know. I apologize. We're going to get some more inclusive uh, beauty content going on. I know. This was totally unplanned. Just Tony brought it up, and it's been, like, on my mind. Seriously. I'm Grace, sorry. You, and, you and I can, can talk locked. We'll talk yeah. locked. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're talking there about. Go. There you go. There you go. All right. And actually, you know, the perfect segue. Uh, next up, we got the Carmen Sandiego of the crew. The you know always fresh off of her award tour, the international lady of mystery. We got we got Grace. What's going on? So I hate that I'm like not in New York because like that kind of disrupts the whole like yeah I was in New York and everybody else was kind of close by. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm in the ATL, so holding it down here and just trying to day by day, one day at a time. Uh, I'm thankful to the crew here for this graphic novel because I don't know if I would have been um introduced to it so thank you right. for you know letting me get into this and and talk about it so yeah, yeah definitely and That's um true. yeah and actually grace yeah you got you got kind of a whack governor down there so uh Man. just <laughs> just stay inside grace we may uh, have a whack governor, but we got a bet, at least a better mayor who is yeah. a, a, more powerful than him. So. Yeah, ATL is like on something else, though. It's like they, right, they're they in Georgia, but they're not in Georgia. You know, like that's kind of <laughs> always been like that. It's Dude. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Word. Yeah, like, so, no, I do want to head off that, like, you know, so this is not like the Graphic Novel Book Club is not going to be the Valley Book Club. But I was sort of excited to get everybody on the show to read a Valiant book because, yeah, it became a kind of running joke that, like, I always had, like, a bunch to say about what, what was cooking with Valiant. Um, and I want to say, like, this is probably, like, the last really exciting, super exciting thing that, like, had me super jazzed in Valiant. Um, as you may or may not know, Valiant changed hands a while ago. And it's a kind of like, you know, there's, there, there's a different crew running things there now. Um, but Dysart uh, stayed on from the last big Valiant changeover uh, to produce this book, which is sort of like the end of a cycle of a character that he's written, like, I mean, dozens and dozens of issues of content for. Um, so I thought this was, like, a cool thing to, like, head off. I know that, like, this is throwing y'all into the deep end for sure. Like, I know that this is a, a, a pretty spaced out book that refers to a ton of back matter. But I, I also can tell just from the writing of it that, like, this book is written to, like, welcome people in. Dysart has a piece at the end of the book that sort of says as much, that he, like, wrote this to be like, hey, come on in. And I know this is, like, a bunch of shit happened before this book, but, like, try and read this book and hang out. So yeah. um, I'm really excited to talk about it, but that was one of the things, because I know you're far more um, familiar with the backstory. But yes. um, I, as, as someone coming in fresh, it was pretty fascinating to to dive in this way, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I think it reads well from this perspective as well. Yeah, I'd let, can we go around and do, like, first impressions then? That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, who's up? Actually, first, we got to do your your introduction. Uh, oh, that, I don't have a proper yeah. Yo, yeah, yo, yeah. I'm... Yo, I'm Leo. Yo, I'm 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 holding it down like a, like a Sayod having a mind squall, uh, freaking out here in Los Angeles. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm a, you know... A pretty much a born and bred Valiant stand, but especially with the second generation. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. All right, uh, Grace, what are your, your initial thoughts? So, like that first image of a baby being born, mm -hmm. I was like, 
whoa, okay, so this feels really lifelike. I, <laughs> I felt like I was in the moment right there. Um, yeah. The colors, the balancing of that. I mean, I'm not an artist, so just from, you know, someone who's just, like, appreciating the art, it was very vivid, and mm. I was just like, man, this is like, when they talk about, you know, being reimagining or, or kind of like, like taking yourself into this fantasy, like, I felt like I was there. I, I stepped out of reality into this, you know, kind of fantasy or whatever. So, um, you know, I had read a few things with Valiant, but I always look forward to Leo always talking about it. So to, like, dive into it personally, I was like, this is this is good. Like, okay, you know, I, I, I won't knock him for bringing up Valiant, you know, every, every chat. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just the colors, the imagery from, you know, beginning to end is really kind of like what stood out for me. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, Tony, yeah, what are your initial thoughts? Well, um, I will tell you that this, this book really kind of amazed me. Um, for everything that, that, that Grace said as well, but um, the story really got to me from the jump. Um, and I found it very interesting. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was reading, to be quite honest with you. I had no, I have really no prior history with Valiant except for uh, the Bloodshot movie we watched. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. That is actually, yeah, that's like y'all's yeah. first impression. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I read a few. Right. So, you know, to see this, this was actually very well done. I think if if you're going to jump into Valiant, this might be the best book to do that. Because, mm. again, I walked in not knowing anything. And I was pretty pretty much amazed by the entire story. And, um, and not to compare um, the main character to Dr. Manhattan, but it gave me a Dr. Manhattan feel. Mm. But, mm. Uh, but a little bit in a more of a real-world mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it would make sense that if this type of character was born it would be born in Hiroshima. You know what I mean? Um, I was hoping to get a little bit more of some sort of um, racism, but I mean, that's just me. <laughs> um, that didn't happen, but that's okay. That, that doesn't mean that it, need, it needed to, but no, I really enjoyed it from start to finish and then the twists and turns that it, that it had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for me, I mean, I think I briefly referenced that um, it was really interesting to jump in from this perspective, I kind of enjoyed it because I know, obviously, Leo, you had more background information on the character and the Harbingers. But <clears throat> like like Tony referenced, it's almost like uh, somewhere between, and this is not to be reductive or to, to just like, you know, compare apples to oranges, but I think comparisons can be made in the, um, it's almost like if Ozymandias, with his plan and his goals, had Dr. Manhattan-esque powers, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but but there, there's so much more to it, and in a lot of ways, even though, like, some Watchmen comparisons were running through my head, I really enjoyed something about this that wasn't in Watchmen. That's not even to take away from Watchmen, but, like, there was... I don't know. It, it was it's a very rich story. The I really want to get into just the, the moral, ethical ends versus the means type uh, yes. discussions, which I know we will, but the, yeah, yeah. No, it, there, there's so much to chew on here. This is definitely a book that I'll read more than once. Um, so yeah, it's a lot to talk about. I, I dug it though, thoroughly. Yo, t- talk about my face press up to the glass. I love your guys' comparisons uh, to Watchmen. I genuinely did not make that connection because 
Yeah, I'm really, really like knee deep in in everything that's going on, like with this story and with its background. But you're absolutely right. Like Tony, yeah, he is definitely like a Doctor Manhattan type. But like, the I guess one of the differences, right, is that in the in Doctor Manhattan's character development, it feels like his entire his arc is separating from the humanity he once had. Right. And Toyo's arc uh, is sort of like a, an irrepressible humanity. Like that's part of like he does horrible things, but he never like is like, I am not part of the human race. And that's sort of like where Manhattan goes to. But yeah, like and with Ozymandias, Ozzy it's like, uh, you know, many people would say he bartered his humanity for his act of mass murder. Um, but like if you asked him, he he, you know, he sacrificed his own guilt for the greater good. Like according to him like it's up to us right. to decide whether that's like accurate or not but yeah i love i love that comparison i mean yeah i know that i approach this book differently from y'all and and i i am i am like really intrigued by how you guys are are looking at it for that like there's a ton of little shit in here that is like a lot of knowledge like i was the thing i was most impressed with reading this was how information dense it is and how dice art manages to pack in a lot of what you need to carry your way through this story. There are a couple of things that are left out, but a lot less than you would think. And this is really is like as a jumping in point for Valiant. It's interesting. I don't know if I, if I'd agree that it's like the best one, but it's weird how it seems pretty fluid despite like the complexity and the like huge cast of characters and the ideas that it's bringing forth that are all like, you know, uh, signal sent in previous books, like is the here it's like, you're just getting like thrown into it. Um, but yeah, no. And the art is freaking awesome. I love, I love the art. I think the art is like yeah. sensational. Um, and like, and they also do that thing, which I always love. Like, don't you like this in books when like you're reading a book from like, uh, from like uh, through a series or whatever. And there's like to, to sort of signature a, a different event, they get another artist and the artist does those pieces, yeah, yeah. like where he yeah, meets Albert really Einstein. I love, I love that stuff. Like I love having a consistent artist for a book, but I, it's always like a rare delight where you turn a page and then it's like, oh, this is something like we're somewhere else now, you know. Yeah. And they do that a few times. Yeah. I do have a, a quick question about a character mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of like in the first couple twenty pages. It has the hooded, the the hooded. It's a hooded character. Um, the Angela vessel. It was like, Yes, it was mm -hmm. reminiscent of like the character in Ant Man and Wasp, um, mm. the Ant Man and Wasp movie. Um, I can't. That was like. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Tell yeah. me about. I actually yeah. haven't but, seen Ant Man and Wasp. Tell me about the character. Oh wow! I think you're you're talking right. more aesthetically, right, Grace? Well, oh, like yeah, visually. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And I guess some I of the characters. Yeah, mainly aesthetically, mainly aesthetically, yeah, but. You know, kind of, I guess, personally, but definitely aesthetically, like the whole right. outfit get up, you know, definitely was like reminding me of that character. So, uh, yeah, like I like it's sort of unfortunate that they, that they can't dig deep enough into Angela buying Ghana. Um, she's very important to like this particular story, the Angela vessel. But like she's also like a very tragic figure, like essentially she was uh, she was a spy in Project Rising Spirit that was taken over by an interdimensional force that like Toyo later, like near the end of the comic, like has that explains his run in with the interdimensional force and whatever that other entity is that's in her is like really brilliant and really cruel and has nothing to do with humanity at all. Um, and she like, they call it like that character self describes as the Angela vessel because it's like simpler to be like, 
yeah, I'm not this person. I'm living in this body like it's a suit. Though in an, in an issue of I think it was Imperium, uh, the way that the the presence that's in that person describes it is the presence describes it like it's like when an astronaut goes into space and wears a spacesuit. It's like it's wearing this person's body as a spacesuit in our world to be that. Um, yeah, and it's got the no eyes thing. It's like well, a, I wanted to. Good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, go ahead, Tony. No, my question is: before the takeover, was Angela a character? Uh, very mm, briefly, Angela was a Angela was a flesh and blood like human person. Yeah, and uh, and when the Project Rising Spirit had this like experimental um, like invasion, like visitation into this other realm, uh, there were three people. And one of them, Angela herself, got like kind of grabbed in by the by the entity that later takes Harada, and her eyes were scooped out of her head, and then they were able to like barely rescue her back into the real world, not realizing that they had taken in part of this like otherworldly, almost Lovecraftian consciousness, and they brought the. Wait, consciousness can I make a suggestion? While you're at it. What... Why don't we do like a brief recap for people? Oh, that's a good idea. It. No, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like all talking yeah. like we read it. It's a really rich yeah. story. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I mean, the life and death of Toyo Harada, and and I mean, if it's not obvious, like part of this conversation is completely spoiler filled. Like, I don't. We're not gonna yell spoiler. We're not gonna like expose anything. Part of the nature of the graphic novel book club is to just tell the story of the book. So it's important that you've read it. Um, but yes. Uh, so, the life and death of Toyo Harada is about. Uh, one of the world's like eminent Sayots, um, pretty late in like the Valiant timeline. Toya Harada is is a Sayot who was activated since birth uh, at the dropping of the nuclear bomb, and he has kind of like gathered his way through history ever since then, and eventually like coming to this uh, utopian vision that he wants to bring to society. Um, previously, he has been the head of the Harbinger uh, Foundation, which was an organization that helped to activate other Psyots at the risk of their own lives uh, to create a commune of superheroes that will help usher humanity into the post-scarcity age. All of that gets fucked up, and when we encounter Toyo at the essential start of the, this book's narrative that it tells, uh, we find... Uh, like a powerful, uh, you know, uh, highly opinionated, uh, risk-taking uh, humanist who's willing to break a few eggs to make an omelet, who wants to deliver the Earth to this post-scarcity reality. For now, his foundation and his city lives in Somalia, where he has taken over about 100 miles of land and establishes that, like, this is how we're going to fix humanity. I'm going to make this super hospital we're going to help the world. We're going to reduce this like dependence on oil and all this blood uh, spilled in war, and everything's going to be great. Meanwhile, many other nations and corporations in the world want to stop him because he basically wants to end their whole existences. Uh, the name and the, the the title itself, "The Life and Death of Toyo Harada," is like as we eventually discover, like somewhat ironic, um, because we do see this character's life. Uh, we do see a kind of death. Uh, by the end of it, although that's a little inexact, um, but I feel like it's sort of a, it's sort of a story about uh, you know a zealot who's willing to get his hands really bloody 
And a lot of it does take place in his head. It's a story told from his point of view. So it comes with his with his history and his past and his, and the justification for his choices. And it's almost even arguable to say that Toyo is a kind of um, unreliable narrator in a sense, because like sometimes reading this story, there is something about it that feels a little propagandistic. It's like a lot of it is about like, it's from his point of view, so you sort of want to justify and be like, he's made all these sacrifices, he has done all these terrible things, but he overall wants to do some good. But I want I want to get into that when you when yeah. you're done. But like, yeah, no, that's a huge I'm part. I'm yeah, yeah. so curious to hear how you guys kind of saw that saw that aspect. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's pretty that's pretty general without getting into specifics. Yeah. Let me know I if I missed something important. No, no, I, I think you hit, you hit all the main points. I think uh, one main point is um, in 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 this mission, like uh, we referenced the Angela character, Angela Vessel, um, which that part in itself was really, I don't know, the the, the there, there's so many moral questions <laughs> in this book, and that one was right. really messed up because I didn't even have all the background, but I definitely gathered that that she had been possessed by this entity. And the way, you know, there's several times when characters raise a question of, like, because she poses such a threat that, like, she needs to be killed or taken out. And basically, Toyo Harada's um, answer, response is that her scientific mind is too important to this Earth and she should be kept around for that reason. But it's like, a re it's, it's very representative of his kind of, everything is calculated with him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and everybody is there, and we gotta get to the robot because, like, he's my, he's yo, my that's it, my it, favorite Valiant character. Yeah, like, is, like is Sunlight the, on Snow. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that, but yeah, like, the, yeah, yeah. It's almost like the most some of the most human and kind of heartbreaking moments came with this AI robot, like making yeah. these realizations about like the the purpose that he and others served the Toyo Harada. But like Angela, um, you know, kind of serves as like the main driving force of conflict um right. sort of kind of uh an equal of sorts um in, well she's in sort of, of she's sort of a mercenary right like she's right. there because she's getting something in return yeah and yeah. like the less she gets that thing in return like the more apprehensive she is to help or be a part of the team or whatever uh right. so like she's almost like the most direct like toyo has all this lofty crazy big picture shit and she's mm -hmm. like I want my farm with pregnant women that I can experiment on. Like, that's literally all she wants. And she's like, you're going to give me that. And, like, if you're not giving me that, like, then why am I here? Why am I even bothering with doing anything for you? Uh, well, which you know, is, what's, what's interesting along those lines is it's kind of like initially when she brings up that proposition of the farm, which obviously is totally messed up. Yeah. But, like, he... he um, it's almost like, like Toyo's response and his refusal to go along with it seems to be a moral one, but along the way, you see him breaking all kinds of eggs sure. to omelet, like, you know. Sure. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of, I think, is evidence of some of his uh, contradictions. But, yo, let's get let's get into the, I feel like just the, the moral stuff, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that, it, that really occurred to me, like, right after finishing the book is, you know, it's no, no secret to anyone who listens to Black Comics Chat. We're all social justice minded people right we like to see we'd like to see a better earth and it makes me think about um just our real life history um how 
there's been a lot of well-intentioned people who have like tried through a variety of means to bring about positive change and bring more world. Um, and then, you know, you get into like, like more radical thinking. Um, there's, there's an argument that's, that has been made several times about the need to get your hands dirty to have a true revolution. And so what this had me thinking is uh, in the end, right? And even along the way, even like, like leading up to this point, um, Harada has done like a lot of really good things, like, like bringing medicine to all these, these impoverished nations, free medicine, and um, you know, like it's a variety of really good things. And then, and then by the end of the book, his um, plan, you know, further betters the world. Right. Um, but the the means that uh, you know the the that that justify the ends are like really messed up. And you we're sitting with these characters, and we're seeing them, you know, his surrounding cast um, reckon with the roles they play, the choices he makes. He really he's like literally callously uh, just chooses people to have their brains operated on and dissected to, you know, I mean, towards his ends um, yeah. without any consent. Um, and he does it with the level of thought, with a level of, of, of care that you would, like, I don't know, brush a, a mosquito off your shoulder or something. Like, If I can interject, yeah. mm -hmm. I think the story or the, the little snippet with Einstein Right. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Is basically sums up his life. Yes, yes absolutely. He went in trying to do something noble or something good, and by the end, it turns to shit because at the end right. of the day, everything he does is self serving. Right. And it was Einstein who called him out on that. Right. Yeah. Right. Not only and does I think it that turn that to is shit. basically, yeah. No, no, you go, Tony. I try to say not only does it turn to shit, but he literally. And Einstein calls him, this is what you're referencing, he calls him on the fact that he robbed him of, of his, his... last moments, yeah. Yeah, his last moments yeah. passing of this earth and makes it all about him. But, you yeah. know, but you, you go, Tony. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, that, but that's exactly my point. I, I yeah, think yeah. He, he's well-intentioned as to say, well, I'm just doing this to find out information or I'm trying to share with you, but then you kind of, you kind of bring him to Hiroshima to the point of his greatest failure. That's insane. You know what right. I mean? Like, it started out well, but right. then, it, again, yes, you made it all about you because I think that there is a lack of empathy that he's had ever since he was a kid when yeah. he discovered how to fly and he let all the sailors drown. So... Right. Yeah. And, and like, just as a, as, as a writer, like, that... When I got to the Einstein part, I was just like... Oh, yo, that's amazing! Like, you know what I mean? Just the the idea and of um, you know this this person, this real historical person who was haunted by you know what I mean those technological advancements, like personally, and right. um, yeah, like it, it, there, there's a certain poetry to it that I think runs throughout the book. But isn't there? So, no, Grace, go, go, go. Oh, so I was going to ask Mark. So were you kind of like grappling with like this guy that's trying to do good, but it's like the route that he takes to get there. Like, it's like, you want to like cheer for him because he's like, yes, I'm doing all this, even though it's self-serving, but like, it's the way that he goes about it. Is that kind of like how you were like rapping? I mean, yeah, but it like, and I, I feel like I was kind of taking a long meandering route to say it, but just sum it up, I guess what I was bringing up before is that, and it was also like, when you look at our real life right now, obviously there's a lot of 
very frustrating, to say the least, things that, that we're grappling with on top of all the injustice, inequity, right. you know, mm-hmm. of, of, of our world that we're trying to, you know, whatever, like, work through. And, you know, people have been resisting. People have been... Um, have, have been fighting the good fight, but it's just like, it doesn't seem to move the needle. You know what I mean? At the, to the point where our, our best bet right now is to, you know, whatever, vote for Biden. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's like, we're not even going to get too deep into that. But my, my point is, right. it's kind of like, you know, it is frustrating when you care about these things in real life to see that, like, mm-hmm. it feels like the needle hasn't been moved a lot. And it's not that people aren't trying but it's like these forces capitalism entrenched uh inequality and racism they're so huge you know that um they feel immovable so it almost makes you wonder like would it take somebody who's this powerful and this willing to get their hands dirty to actually bring about a just world and then it makes you ask like well yeah like in the end would that be the you know, I personally couldn't do all the, all the stuff that he does. You know what I mean? Right. But it's kind of like makes you wonder, like, is is that what it would take in in our real world? You know what I mean? To to kind of see that. And we would be able to sit with that, yeah, right. right, and be okay with that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he, and I mean, I think Tony brought up the point of of uh, just or or Leo. Yeah, you guys both brought up the point of like the the Doctor Manhattan par- comparison, and I I would say where he definitely differs. From Dr. Manhattan, he has, um, he's like, what do I want to say? Basically, it's a matter of, um, you know, Dr. Manhattan, like Leo said, is is kind of becoming more removed from humanity. And it's almost like, let's not forget that Harada, like, gained these powers as a child, a child who suffered immense loss and tragedy, Mm -hmm. um, unthinkable loss and tragedy. And so he's not stuck there at all intellectually. You know what I mean? Like, he becomes, like, superior intellectually at that age. But it makes you wonder if um, gaining that immense power at that age also added to how distant he was from human beings and the human experience and how we work. You know what I'm saying? Um, So... It's like you mentioned, he is a part of the human experience, but in a really messed up, selfish way. And it is almost like all the people around him helping him, they're like, they're just chess pieces to be moved around in this greater scheme. Yeah, kind of like you get a hint in this story about the idea of the employees uh, all having like all existing within a sort of complicated hierarchy. Like Mm. he see like. He is someone like who even from like very close to birth like sees and understands like human hierarchies very well. And there's so like a part the part of the story that like I you know is not and it's not the fault of the book but is not like communicated sufficiently in this book is that his beginning as the as the like runner of the Harbinger Foundation it had a the Harbinger Global Coalition, I think it was called. Um, again, this organization that's training all these psyos, these psionically powered people who are now like in the book that we're reading now. 
the original start of that organization was him attempting to change society in a like financial corporate way. Like it's, it was one of those like change society from like within it, you know, from hidden within it. So he had all these businesses and they were making all this advanced technology and, you know, he had like shell companies and, and all this, like tons of money. He was like impossibly wealthy and all this shit. And then a specific individual, I don't even think is mentioned in this, uh, named Peter Stanchek, who was like the only other Sciote in the Valiant Universe that was like possibly comparable to him in terms of power, but he was young and he like totally rejected Harada's egg breaking thesis, uh, you know, scrapped with him and eventually exposed him, which meant that he couldn't hide within the financial ledgers anymore. He had to come out and make a statement or disappear. He had those two options. And in the end, he was like, fuck it, I'm going to come uh, establish this base in Somalia. So at the start of the life and death of Toyo Harada, or like in the in the progress of like the timeline that like is considered current in the book, um, he has basically already failed at fixing the system from within in secret. So like we're running into this guy who's like, oh, I need to make the, the drastic moves that you're talking about. Like he, he doesn't have any, he's actually already tried the like low key subtle shit, the like, right. you know, running stuff from behind and having like puppets and making back at back alley deals and whatever. And now he's like, this is the only way to do it is, is, is mm. these big ass moves. Um, yeah. Like it, I mean, it's fun. Like, I don't know if I super connected to the current political climate, but like, I do understand. Uh, and I do think that, you know, I don't I I don't want to like make like any sweeping statements now that like Bernie was like the Harada move or anything like that but like <laughs> Biden definitely isn't like <laughs> that that whole like angle and pursuit is definitely more of this sort of like subtle low key let's change a couple things leave a lot of things the same leave the power structures essentially intact where no Harada is like upending the table like he wants to we need to do big bad weird things um, I mean, I, I, the thing I feel like they go back to it a bunch of times in this book is like the creation of this like super hospital. Like this is like central to his goals is making this like unbelievable healing facility, you know, like whether or not like that and the space elevator, it's like whether or not he dies or a bunch of people die or the whole plan goes awry. It's like these things need to exist and they specifically need to exist, as he puts it, in Africa. It's extremely important that these changes in, de in these developments happen on the continent of Africa because he sees that as like one of the things that's going to upend like, you know, the, the global resource war. It's like ha that has to be in Africa so that like countries need to like dispense with this because the people in the foundation zone aren't going to be like there's not going to be bodyguards there like charging entry for the hospital. The idea is it's going to be free and maybe that kind of help will inspire inspire others and inspire more. So what do you guys think about the apparent villains in the story? Like who are the villains in the life and death of Toya Harada? I mean, there's, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that is. Yeah. I feel well, like there's they that... are. <laughs> they yeah. There's that could be at one point. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the most direct, I mean, definitely antagonist, I would say there's, what is it? Kozol, yeah, the, um, Morris Kozol, who is like, Morris I can't never not read him as Elon Musk. Like, he's basically Elon Musk <laughs> to me, no matter what. Like, I don't Elon know Musk if that's is intentional. A super villain. Yeah. Elon Musk yeah. is a goofy, a goofy supervillain, yes. Right. Um, he's a big character in previous Dysart Harada cycle books, especially Imperium, mm -hmm. where he's sort of presented as this, like, 
you know, like really ridiculous, but but not relatable, but like recognizable, like startup mm. CEO, bro. Like right. that's his like personality energy is that shit, you know? Yeah, yeah he's definitely like. He is the and he, and he's not a he's not a psych a psionic or a psyote or anything like that. Like he's just a just a dude in a suit with a lot of money and a nasty attitude. Yeah, and whereas so it's interesting because whereas um, Harada does a lot of messed up stuff in um, pursuit of a selfish but noble goal, like ideals for yeah, better yeah, or for worse, ideals. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like his his stuff is unapologetically like the almighty dollar and, you know, and controlling of uh, of, of just just resources and wealth, you know. Right. Um, so he's more evil, I guess, you know, <laughs> more bad because I mean, you got her out of doing bad stuff for good reasons, um, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, what's your read on 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 the the villains of the story? Uh, yeah, what what do other people think, Tony Grace? It's you know what I I don't know if I read a real villain in this story okay. in the way that it was presented. Okay, I don't okay. have the backstory for Kozel. Sure, you know sure. what I mean. I read him sure. as a typical corporate guy who is out for himself, and that's just reality. You know what I mean? And he represents either a corporation or, you know, the American way or whatever. So I didn't, because I don't have that backstory, I didn't view him as like the true villain. I just viewed, I viewed him more as a vulture. Like an opportunist. To just pick up the pick. Yeah, an opportunist. Someone's yeah, going to pick up the pieces yeah. when he goes. He's just sort of orchestrating his part of whatever. But I don't know if I saw him as a real villain as the way I saw the Angela Vessel. And even then, everything that every character seems to have their own um, idea of what either the world should be or their own idea of what they should be doing. Mm. So they could all justify that they're not the villain in this story. So they could all point to Harada saying he's the villain. And Harada could be like, well, you know, you're all simple minded. I'm just right. trying to fix the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I don't know if I could identify with the real villain as opposed to we're living in a world where everybody's doing incredibly messed up things right yeah i mean i i agree with that i mean if, if i have to pick one i'm i'm picking Koza, but i'm also looking at not to go back to the watchman reference but now yeah i really got that in my head now me too uh, <laughs> like he he reminds me of like ozymandias you know who you know like he thinks he's doing good or not even thinks he's doing good he thinks he's doing what's best but it's for him and to get the credit and all. And that's kind of what I see in this Kozo character. And for some people, that's the villain. And for some people, that's like, well, I mean, that's that's the reality. That's that's life. Like, you, you know, doggy, doggy world. So, um, all right. yeah, I mean, I think in, in some moment throughout the graphic novel, everybody could be that villain. Everybody, you know, has that moment where you're like, dang, that was, that was jacked up or that was wrong. So it's just, I guess, the moment. You know, there's different moments when everybody's a villain. Yeah. I, I want to real quick, because um, we referenced the An Angela Vessel again, and it is, um, I didn't clue into the, I feel like if, if you're coming in without previous knowledge, it seems like it's like maybe halfway through the book that you realize that she is a quote-unquote vessel 
and this isn't you're not looking at the real Angela mm -hmm. and um you know that's tragic in itself because you're aware of the fact that there's you know this person that's not there and not you know in charge of they're not they're not conscious in their being no 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 i would i would go so far as to say unless there i there's something i don't understand about the character i don't know if this is revealed in the book that we read um she i like i believe that the, that angela that the angela vessel is enslaved even more so that she's not really just a suit i believe mm -hmm. there is remnant identity oh. there there's a little bit of her there it's not like she's dead because if I if I remember correctly, to properly occupy the living thing, this otherworldly entity had to leave some of her behind. She mm. had to leave some of her in there. So it's not like the thing killed her and wore her skin. Right, it's like, okay. no, she's actually in there in its thrall and has no control at all, but is still like sort of trapped in there. She's very tragic. Like it's very fucked right. up. It's not pretty and nice or it's 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 messed up. Yeah. 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 Well, it's I, interesting. I wonder... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. You go. My, my, my teeter's off a little bit, so go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, wait, don't forget what you're going to say. What I was going to say is um, that there, so she has a grand uh, double cross scheme. And it's interesting because Harada kind of heads off her scheme, her initial scheme. Yeah. And, and then, and then she, executes another scheme and <laughs> the way that it's written is really interesting because it feels like oh snap she really got him i was i did find myself hoping that he had some 4d chess move that he had plotted out that we would come across later and then you know obviously we we're doing some spoilers so like he did have have a chess move you know at some cost um at a lot of cost, actually. But um, I think that in itself made me be like, oh, I kind of am rooting for this character. You know what I mean? Even though he's conflicted, like, in that, in, in his death and everything that took place and seeing, like, his followers kind of splintered afterwards, you know, I did find myself hoping that he had some grand scheme that he had seen ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's. I just think that that's, representative of the kind of back and forth that I had with um, siding with that character. Right. Well, I mean, you guys recognize that like of all the people you meet that are part of his like, you know, his like in insular crew, it's like three of them, at least three of them are direct enemies. Like Angela is mm -hmm. an enemy because he's never going to give her a farm of pregnant women to experiment on. Also, spoiler for earlier Harada stories. Harada has given her a pregnant woman before. Given her one. This is what happens. At the start of she their... at the well, no, look, I, I, I got that impression that he did. Yeah, so at the start of their, the, their negotiations to like work with Harada to make the cold fusion reactor, um, she requests that she wants a pregnant woman. He goes, uh, I want to say in Mumbai... He finds a pregnant woman who is like malnourished and he takes her from abject poverty, does something to her brain so that she doesn't actually experience any pain and feels at peace, but gives her living to Angela. And she's pissed about that because Angela's like, 
No, part of my experimentation has to do with like the human reaction of pain with like, I like, I need this person to feel pain. And he's like, this is what you got. Like you have, you have a human subject who's pregnant who actually cannot suffer at your hand. You can't torture them. And so she's like, for now, this is fine. I will take this. So he, I mean, like he makes devil deals. Like we know that from reading mm-hmm. this book. Like, so just as a, as a bit of back matter, Angela has had a pregnant woman, and now, like, yeah, at this point, like, she di- she got what she could out of that experimentation. She knows that she actually needs this, and Harada has toyed with her and implied that maybe he'll do it, but he's he can't even break him. He can't even break that many eggs. Like, he can't mm. fracture himself to that point. Let me ask you a question, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think? And I mean, I guess we don't totally have any way to, to totally answer this, but I just want I, I'm interested in what everyone's what your answer to this question would be. Mm-hmm. Do you think he has an easier time doing the, you know, breaking the eggs to make the omelet when he is in control of the eggs in the frying pan than he does if he's handing the frying pan over to someone else? Well, I don't, I don't know. So that's what, that's what I, that's why I started talking about villains. And like, one of my points was that, you know, so three of the people that we know for sure are, are villains are enemies of his that he just keeps around. Like there is the right. alien presence, the the alien creature LV ninety nine, who is like a this sadistic, mm-hmm. torturous, otherworldly creature, and like yeah. there's Angela, and there's Grave Dog, who we get a little bit into in the comic, but is like basic like uh, these are people who are there like under specific tensions and almost under Harada's thrall, but they're not there because they believe in a perfect world, like they're all there for their own bullshit and their own like troubles and 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 frictions but they're not actually there because of like his dream and so i mean like the whole like back and forth he has with angela with as far as like you know who's going to get the upper hand in their conflict part of that has to do with i mean he's been working with this entity for so long knowing the entity really doesn't give a shit about him at all the entity has its own pursuits and he's just like okay that gives him plenty of time to like think about how to get around them and he does that a lot. Like, he keeps his enemies, you know, enemies closer, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, like the standard story. Like, that's his MO. Like, it's like, if the en- it's like, it's not even just keep your enemies closer. It's like, if the enemies are like super useful to you for a specific reason, keep yeah. them closer. Like, yeah, it's like, if you have to deal with those enemies. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a weird angle. Also, because like, at, 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 at the whole of the whole thing, there is this sort of like, even vague by this point in the plot development, by the time we reach this graphic novel, this sort of superhero trapping, like it's a hero squad team. There are people, right. they have code names, they do whatever, but it's like a bunch of those heroes aren't even there because like they want to like do this. <laughs> you know, it's like a bunch of people on the team are literally like just there for their own shit. And he's kind of corralling them, you know? Um, yeah. And I feel like that's, that's what I kind of appreciate about the book that, mm, um, mm. There is so much character development in the background that obviously that I don't know, but I don't, I don't have to know. Sure. I, I have, you get this feeling that it's just happening, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and that it's just a moment in time that we're sort of witnessing this story. So, but I, I also want to touch back on what Marcus said about, you know, him being in control of the eggs in the frying pan. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a good example of that is when he switched the brains. You know right. what I mean? Right. He just totally took out a brain, you know what I mean? From a guy who worships him. And <laughs> yeah. 
probably knowing that when Angela finds out, she's probably going to destroy it. Right. Yeah. And so that is an, 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 the, the best example of breaking an egg and literally handing the yolk to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Well, you know what else that has me thinking? Because that, so that guy who we took the brain from, we don't know too much about him, but we do know that he's um, somebody that's, you could say a devotee of, of Toyo Harada and yeah. um you know it makes it that much easier for him to be like, all right, you're well you're going to make this sacrifice. Right. Um each one of the narrative devices that I thought was really effective in the book is we we referenced the um the Einstein part and each chapter is kind of framed by for the most part, framed by an interaction that he's had with somebody. So there's one chapter where it's like the hippies that he comes upon. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's uh, Stronghold, you know, and, and, and him knowing him since he was a little boy. But in those chapters, like that is really illustrative too. And the more of those you see, the more you're like, wow, okay, this guy is willing to do whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's the the Einstein chapter is very revealing, um, and it's it, that's interesting because he's a younger man. He's younger, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not even like cold blooded, like I don't care. But it's he like he fucks it's up. Like, like I think he fucks up in there. Yeah, and I think he's aware that he is. He did yeah. more so than he is later on when he does some, right. some of the choices that he makes. Mm. You know what I mean? And then you get to the chapter with with the hippies and and these people who, again, start really, like, revering him and following him. Um, and then, basically, when he bounces, um, it's just super messed up. You find out that he leaves um, a child who's on the way. He leaves, he leaves one of the women with a child who's on the way. And then um, what he does to take that child, the way he takes a child is, is, is cruel. Yeah. You know, and, and, and really cold. Um and then even just like what ends up happening with that child um, later on is is really not in the least bit fatherly. You know? Not winning any dad awards. No, no. Yeah. So so I don't know, but I think that that the the story, the book as a whole, does a really good job of not only the the team and those characters that surround him, but also like just some of these um, just regular people even who have crossed his path and mm. what what that looks like. Mm. You know, from a human point of view. Mm. But yeah, yeah man, it's a... Overall, I think that this is this is a really good read. Um, I haven't read a graphic novel in a while, or at least like a brand new, fresh, you know, uh, graphic novel. You know, without knowing any anybody. You know, like I th if I read a graphic novel, it would probably be a, one of the other uh, two. The big two, and uh, at least I would know going in who like Superman was or who Batman was. But in this case, I knew nothing. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's very. I know. Like I, I had a little like hee hee hee. Like kind of like I'm throwing y'all in the valiant pool. Like because this is some crazy shit. Like this feeds from so much stuff. But I feel like it is pretty holistic. Like it. It, I think it tells a story that is, like, fairly accessible, which does lead me to probably what I think is one of the most mysterious things in it. So I'm really excited about what you guys thought about this. What do you guys understand or what do you guys think about The Bleeding Monk? 
Do you guys get the bleeding monk? Do you guys like what are your what what is your understanding of the bleeding monk? Because the bleeding monk is super duper important to like anything Dysart has written for Valiant and then some. But uh, yeah, like what did you how did you guys gather that? Hmm. I don't know if I have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm just curious. I, I guess we're talking about at the end. Yeah. Um, when he's the bleeding monk. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I thought it was weird, honestly, that he was like meditating. Um, like all of a sudden he's like this Yoda person. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> gathering his power. So um, I, I thought it was weird, almost, almost out of place. But I don't know if I had any other thoughts outside of that. Wait, just to be clear. Cause I think I think Tony, you're talking about like when when the robot finds him, right? Yeah, like where Harada yes. is, yes. like in that, in that. Like he, you know. But then you know, wasn't there, if I'm not mistaken, was there a separate yeah, reference of a of a bleeding monk? There's a presence. Yeah. I'm scrolling through pages right now to see when the bleeding monk is first brought up. The bleeding monk is uh is a separate character. Is again is I want to say that Joshua Dysart actually created him. Um, mm. And he is uh, he is basically like the most powerful precognitive that ever existed. And Harada like has a constant communicate like at a constant but occasional and consistent communication with him. Am I wrong? Is the bleeding monk not in this specifically? He no, he is. But I feel like it's just a panel, and that's so. In answering oh. your question, that's what I'm saying. And I, I think I share this with Tony because in answering your question, oh, then I. I Okay. Okay. Then I, don't I could feel that they spent enough time with it. I, it. It seemed like something that was significant. He's sort of not... too big to briefly touch on. That's why I thought that he right. was in it more. But no, you might actually be right. No, might, I. If I'm not faulty, I, I don't know if you remember Grace, but it, it felt like it was a He's, panel or two. It's just a flash. Maybe. It's just a flash. Yes. Like here's this. Here's this presence. So, okay. All right, man. Okay. I don't even know if I can like. Then like get, the bleeding monk is like too crazy and weird, but very very important. Um. <laughs> Well, you know what? While you're talking about all this, but uh, at the end of the show, I think we and we could put, also put it in the show notes. But I think at the end of the show, if you could give your um, Harada verse uh, reading list, I think that would be good. Okay, yeah, oh, that no. would be great. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, hap- I'm happy to do that. Yeah, like there's something that like probably the biggest thing missing in this particular book is that like this is definitely a character that over like dozens of issues of comics grows and changes like the through harbinger through like the harbinger books which i think are usually like one of the best starting off points for the new valiant universe he is like a really aggressive douche a lot he's not the he's not the toyo that you mostly know from this book um he is like really really aggressive and has like and his his you know his counterpart this peter stanchek guy like triggers him in a lot of ways and he's ruthless and knee-jerk a lot and it's like so like the you know there's tons of character growth which the character is very satisfying to like carry from the start to the end uh it's a it's a real arc it's a real special arc i don't think it's like absolutely required to get joy out of this book to to know that um but yeah no i definitely will talk about we'll talk about past issues um yeah i mean like there's a lot of like weird like hidden stuff for instance so sunlight on snow his name, like the this robot's name, he's like he's an AI. His name is like a reference way early, like when he's first revealed, like years before this book was created, when he's first revealed, 
his name is like related to some kind of bizarre hallucination he may have had, which is strange for an artificial intelligence. And it's it's almost implied that the hallucination he has is the moment that you see him in this book sitting in the snow and like mm. in the sunlight that he actually like named himself years ago from this moment that didn't happen yet. Like he was precognitive of it, even though he's an artificial intelligence, which is not ever confirmed or understood or like explained, but it is very, he is a, he is a very amazing character. He is possibly my favorite. Him and Livewire are my favorite Valiant characters. I like Livewire too. Is Livewire, Livewire isn't in this book at all, is she? No, no, she's no. not in it. No, I didn't, I didn't see her. She's very, like, I mean, she and Harada are, like, very tightly linked because he, like, you know, rescued her, uh, helped her connect to her psionic powers. She was, like, top dog. Like, she was, like, his right-hand person. And then she realized that, like, he was, you know, ruthless and then escaped and broke off and they had, like, a huge schism. So, like, she, she was basically his prodigal child. And then... She's like, I'm not going to break all these fucking eggs, dude. And she bounced. Um, yeah. And like that bothers him a lot, like because he loved her. And that was like it was, you know, it's one of those things, right, where like when a student spurns a teacher that hard, like a teacher can't help but feel guilty about it. Like maybe I'm wrong, like because, this, you know, my prodigal student like obviously rejects me. So do I know what I'm doing? Yeah. Well, clearly that was just a moment because he continues on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> yeah, like in the end, he's like still, he's still doing his thing. Um, One track mind. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. One quick question for you, Leo. Knowing more, mm -hmm. um, like a lot of the, the, the backstory that we know, like the Hiroshima um, and some of the places he's been in the past. Mm -hmm. Is that um, shown in prior appearances? Yes. Like, is that it's almost okay. that's almost like his like Batman Zorro film. Okay. It's shown actually a lot, like his birth yeah. and like his his and his early days. Is the story in this book the one? Do they tell the story where he goes and confronts the Japanese army captain who wants Briefly. to profit off the yeah. food mm -hmm. that like he has like hoarded to give to people for free? Yeah, like, a bunch of those, like, early childhood stories are touched upon in others, though I feel like some things are gone really in-depth. I think the the story with the men on the ship who worship him as, like, a god, I don't mm. really think that's told until this book. Like, it's maybe sort of referenced or implied or shown in snapshots, but it's, like, that story is kind of explored a little bit, a little bit harder. Yeah, like, that's... A, you mentioned that one before. Like, that's a crazy one because... That's one of those where, yeah, like to get this growth, he had to essentially ignore and sacrifice the people who believed in nothing but him. Right. Like their blood is on his hands forever. But he also used that moment to become stronger, to become more confident, to become wiser. Mm. So it's like, there you go. Like the, even as a kid, he's like, oh, yeah, OK, people die. But like, you know, overall, eventually humanity will be great because I'm awesome. I know what to do. Um, do you guys believe in Harada's vision of a post-scarcity world? <laughs> I don't know no. if I do. Yeah, like, drastic like actions. You mean man. in the sense of do you think it will work, or do, do we you think, think it will work? Or? Do you think like he's right at all in his in his mad uh, pursuits? I mean, a lot of the things he's pursuing are things that I would like to see in our world. I think that, and that's therein lies a central question. And I feel like it had me asking the question even of myself, like. Um, you know, because I do want to see that 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 post scarcity world. I do want to see 
Um, it's criminal the way in our world um, resources, medical, um, medicine, just everything is it's really just dependent on who you are, what your level of privilege is, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. And you know what I'm saying? Like, so in, in a short, the short answer is, yeah, I believe in a world. I believe in a lot of the things that he was fighting for. But yeah, I mean, the central question is like, what are you willing to do to do to get it? And I think that I don't I'm not with him in how he did. Well, so, you know, it's sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, no, I, okay, I, okay. The problem that I have with his vision is that it's very narrow. It's it's mm. narrow from someone who is that's like saying I'm a social justice warrior, but I make a billion dollars. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what you need, and right. then we're going right. to go down this road. You right. know what I mean? And this goes back to what I'm saying: is we didn't see a lot of racism. You know what I mean? And why is mm -hmm. that? Because it's not. It doesn't mean anything. It's not that something that's on his mind, uh, right? Yeah. About inequality from a financial standpoint, and not a social standpoint. Huh. So I don't yeah, know exactly yeah. what his entire vision is, but it just seemed very narrow to me. You right. know what I mean? Like who? I'm sorry, but. Who the fuck is gonna go on a, on a space elevator? Like, who's literally <laughs> going to do that? I'm sorry, but they ain't nobody. I got dizzy just looking at that joint. Right. As, aside from the alien life form, he was willing. He was right. definitely up. For right. It. Yeah. Brothers are not flying to Somalia for a hospital. You know what I mean? They're not going to the space bridge. His view is so is so narrow, and why mm, is he mm. doing it? Because he can? Does he really care? I don't. Yeah. I, I just didn't get that vision. You got a good point, Tony, because like the the moment um, when he's he's speaking to the robot and it's his uh, I did it moment, you know, he, yeah. his hubris really shows in how he articulates that it all came together for him. You know what I mean? Like I could see um, another person who was more connected with with human beings with race and all these facets that are inextricably like tied to all of these these inequities and inequalities around the world somebody who was more clued in wouldn't be like he like basically was like yo i'm the smartest kid like you know in, in a more articulate manner but like essentially right, that's right, what he right. was saying yeah you know like Kill Killmonger would have a field day with him. <laughs> yes, yes. I got the whole thesis on Killmonger too, though, because I think that you know, Killmonger uh, really represents. Um, well, that's a whole other discussion. But like you know, needless to say, I feel like Killmonger was was for the people, but he he executed violence on a lot of black women in the progress in the process. Right of executing that vision, which kind of nullifies the for the people part. You know what I mean? No, but so, that's why it's a great comparison. But that's yeah. a really yeah, good no, that is why it's yeah, a great that's ideal. I actually, yeah, yeah, I don't think that that's like bad writing. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's representative of a lot of flaws in our movements that we've had in real life. You know what sure. I'm saying? Where sure. like um, male ego supersedes the people, you know? So, um but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, no, you're right, Tony. You really got me thinking. And I mean, even you could even say the same thing with Ozymandias because he even he kind of viewed it all as chess pieces 
And I love that the Watchmen series, um, which we're not going to super get into here because we've talked about it a lot, but I love that the Watchmen series kind of really addressed how linear his solution to all these things was and how it didn't necessarily create the utopia that he thought he would, he would, you know, and I think Harada's in a lot of ways, you know, it's, it's, it's linear, it's linear and kind of flawed in a lot of ways. And he can't see the nuance unless like, of course he can't. Cause if he can't even relate to what it is to be an everyday human and, you know, have the connections that we do um, to hold the things important that we do, then how is he going to get the nuances of like race of 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 gender and all the other sub um issues that that we grapple with that are tied to to that scarcity and that inequality and, and all the injustice you know so yeah like in so, the in the lack of opportunity but yeah so another um character that like makes it's as we're talking about this more that i think about is the guy from ultra carbon and um i think his name was takashi I think, yeah, um, and like how he, at least in the first season, there's a lot of kind of like, I'm going to do this the way I'm going to do it. it the, the main goal is to get the job done, however I have to do it. There seems to be some like more morality that kind of comes in in the second season, but I definitely see um, Harada like in that same vein of, you know, this is the vision that I had. This is what we got to get done. You know, I know that there may be some things that you don't like, but this is what we got to do to get there. And so uh, definitely there's some like kind of like crossover with that in the ultra carbon and the fact that they use like um, the skins as far as like, uh, there's like switching bodies. So like somebody dies and then somebody takes over um, the body, the new body. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen that series yet. It's, it's good. It's actually a pretty good one. Anthony Mackie stars in the uh, second season, so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but. So what um, is it that for you guys that all, like, attract you or, like, or may attract people to this character? Like, what is it that gets people to be like, yeah, I want, I don't um, like, I want to read more about this. So why do we kind of, like, have this interest in the character, like, um. I think he, I think he's Professor X and Magneto in one person. Mm. Okay. That's interesting because um, I forget who I was I was speaking about Professor X with recently, but he's um, yeah, Professor X has been on a, a, a journey himself, and he's uh, always been a flawed character with good intentions. Yeah. And even where he's 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 um, his current course. It's really interesting because, like, um, he's he's got a whole obviously different vision, but that's a whole other rabbit hole we could go down. But that's I like that comparison, though. Yeah, like he's he's pretty I... conflicted on his own. Like he's can he alone as alone as a character is conflicted, and then there are other conflicts sort of layered on top of him. Right, right. I think for me, I, I enjoy reading about flawed characters. Sure. Um, I enjoyed. You know, sort of the the idea that I can't tell you who the villain is, right? You know what I mean, because right. everybody's so fucked up. You know what I mean. So I think stuff like that I enjoy, and I think maybe it's the years of comic book reading and, and seeing the good guy versus bad guy. Maybe mm. maybe after a while that gets old, but this was just different. 
you know, in the sense that, you know, you have somebody really trying to do, in his mind, uh, the best thing for the world, which, by the way, so does Lex Luthor believe the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the way he goes about it is so off the wall. You know what I mean? And and the lack of empathy and the the nuance and the way the story is told, I I think that itself is worth a read, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like you I, said it's not so cut and dry. I like that aspect too. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with what Tony said. As a matter of fact, if somebody asked me to write a log line for this book, I probably would say, What if Lex Luthor had almost infinite power? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I think that that's the and you know, Lex Luthor has done things throughout the course of history to try to gain more power, but like what if he had just had innate abilities to control people and and do all of these um psychic things well it's interesting right like and i'm not i'm i'm more i'm more historically a marvel person than a dc person so i'm sure that you guys you all know more about lex Luthor specifically than i do but i feel like i do remember a bunch of angles and uh like sort of like plot uh orientations with lex Luthor, where like one of his grand conflicts is like superman is just too fucking strong to exist like you can't have this entity that is like stronger than everything because it's like that upsets the entire power balance which i want to say is part of kozel's whole thing like kozel Mm -hmm. like part of his thing is like creating all these like negation uh these pieces of negation technology just to like level the field a little bit because he's like harada's just too damn strong like he needs to have these counters so that, you know, in, well, in Kozel's mind, like, the economy can continue to be, like, this big capitalist monster. But still, like, beyond any of that, he's like, you need a counter, which I do think is, like, a Lex Luthor thing, right? Like, am I, am I misremembering that? Like, that was, like, that's an angle of Luthor's, no. right? Like, yeah, he has problems with Superman because he's just, he's just too damn strong to, like, reason or justify, like, the power structure around. So it's like you need to do something about that so the power structure can kind of remain in some, in some way. Yeah. yeah, infamous rising uh, on Twitch said Lex Luthor will fail because his arrogance negates all of his intelligence. Yeah, yeah, Kozol's got a bit of that too. Harada's definitely got a. Harada's got a lot of that. I mean, like, I do feel like by the end of the book, like he does sort of, you know, he sweeps to a success. Like he wins. Like mm-hmm. you know, like as weird a win as that is, like he does ultimately sort of succeed in furthering the progress of his goals. It doesn't end with like the utopia that he's envisioned yet. Um, but I mean, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I feel like we were looking for villains before. I feel like arrogance is a villain. Arrogance is Toyo's villain. Mm. Arrogance is Kozol's <laughs> villain. Arrogance is a few people's villains in this. Uh, right. Yeah. Even Angela Vessel. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like arrogance, I think might even be the, the, the hidden super villain of this book. all right so um maybe we should rate the book uh and then go on go on our way yeah um i personally if we're rating out of five stars let's just keep it simple um i would definitely give this five Mm -hmm. (laughs) boom grace you're you're Grace, you're next in the in the image, so oh. so you're second. <laughs> oh, see, you were next in my image. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, All right, yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's the relative no, properties of hangouts. I know. <laughs> um, I'm I'm gonna go with five as well too, just for uh, the fact that 
Tony said something that just made me think like we read things that are so like cut and dry, so good, bad, versus evil, and this is just kind of like there is no like easy way to kind of say this or to look at it. So, you mm. know, that uh, because of the artwork, because I think for me, that's really what stood out. And I think the story came next for me. I mm-hmm. was just mesmerized by the, the colors and the imagery. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with five out of five. Right on. Mark yeah, um, I definitely would also concur the five out of five. Um, in addition to that, um, the just what we were speaking about, the idea that like, yeah, arrogance is a villain. I think it's indicative of the way in which this book um so we've seen a lot of titles you know obviously watchmen is a seminal work where they do it grapples um the idea of superheroes from a maybe grittier or you know rawer more real world feel but i, I think that the what this book does um is very uh there's, there's so much character study you know mm-hmm. in it and mm-hmm. the idea of arrogance being a villain i like that a lot and i think that that's really true and i think it is evidence of the way that this is a a really thoughtful book and it doesn't have easy answers even if there is a human villain who that is it's not an easy answer so i like it i like it um and i i I thoroughly recommend it yeah you know you know i'm gonna give it a five this is like this is literally, yeah. Right. literally one of my favorite writers writing one of one of my favorite Valiant characters. I think he gives him like a really proper send off. I, I wonder, I like to think that Toyo will never appear again because like him appearing would subvert his goal right? or subvert why he did all this. Yeah. So like, oh, true. Like, I mean, he might make an appearance again, but I have this sort of suspicion that he'll never make himself known. Like that's he is he is dead for all intents and purposes in the Valiant universe, even if he's not really dead. Um, right. Uh, so, so not even like any like visions or something like that, you know? Like I maybe don't. Not in a human form, but I don't think so because like one of the th- I feel like part of the the denouement of this book is this idea that he realizes that by deleting himself from the conversation, he has actually removed mm. conflict from the world. And so re-injecting himself into the conversation, even like from a diagonal direction by like coming to someone in a vision or something like that could hint to people that he's still around, which will increase their pursuit of him, which will cause more death and destruction. So no. That makes sense. Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's now just going to be just a monk meditating in his little, his little tech monastery <laughs> i think yeah i think he's totally out so as an end to like this fantastic character by dice Art, like i think this is a really like confident and interesting and complicated end to him and it is totally five out of five up in this up in this little little video box awesome, awesome. Yeah. yeah this is fun guys. real quickly uh do a reading list um, all right, if you, if, all right, I would say immediately the thing, if you just like, I want to hear like, you know, if this was chapter two with chapter one, Imperium, uh, Joshua Dysart, 17 issue, 16 issue, and an, I think a zero issue uh, series, which basically will tell the story that will bring you mostly up to the start of the book. Imperium is fantastic. It has Doug Brathwaite uh, on art duties. He's an amazing artist. He's nice. on his pencils. He's really, really good. Uh, so the art does not disappoint at all. You will get to see the creation of Angela. You'll get to answer a bunch of questions that are in this book. Uh, um, well, that's all I needed to know. Yeah. yeah Imperium. Yeah. Check out Imperium. is fantastic. <laughs> Imperium is fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
We haven't. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk off off chat about our next book. Um, obviously, uh, someone else can definitely choose the next book. But unless you want to hash it out here, I figure we'll do it. We'll do it in secret and then bring it. Bring it to. No, let's, let's we'll do, do it, it in secret. Okay. Let's yeah, do yeah, it in yeah. secret. All right. All right. Oh, you know, we could do it in secret and maybe make a poll for. Oh, we could do some yeah. poll stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I dig that. I dig that. All right. Okay. Thank you okay, guys for thank successful. you for coming on my valiant journey, guys. I'm very, very <laughs> thankful. It's for all that. good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all cool. it's all good. Yeah. We so for everybody who's uh, listening <laughs> or watching, uh, please stay tuned for this weekend. We have our nominal show, uh, cartoons and cereal. So uh, yeah, yeah. should yeah. be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. Yo, peace and good night. Yep. Peace out. Good show. Bye. Black comics chat.